Welcome to Dragon Talk. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Bart Carroll. That's right. No Shelly today? No Shelly today. She will be back next week. Nice. Uh, But here on the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast, we talk to uh, interesting Dungeons & Dragons people, uh, as well as give you all the Dungeons & Dragons news you could possibly ever want, including uh, lore and or sage advice in a segment that's coming in about uh, a couple minutes. So that's the quick rundown of what we do here on a weekly basis. Yes. I hear you're going to finally definitively pronounce Sahuigan. 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 Yeah, exactly. I always thought it was Sahagwin or Sagwin. <laughs> but there's, you pronounce the ooh, uh, which I'm very excited uh, to have you guys. Then we're going to do a, a dive on that, possibly for this lore segment, but maybe it'll be another one. We don't know, Ryan. That's the nature of our biz. Sometimes things happen, and we're very bad at time traveling, but we're going to get better. And part of the ways we're going to do that, uh, listeners, is by releasing two podcast episodes a week. What? Did you even know that was going to be a thing? Amazing. I did. It's a thing. I did. I'm not sure when it'll start exactly, but it will be starting soon, if not now. Maybe this week, the one that you're listening to right now will be the one that has two. That's the nature of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. It's random. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, but I'm excited about that. We will also potentially be doing uh, podcast episodes of Dice Camera Action, our weekly Ooh. live stream uh, uh, show with Chris Perkins and the Waffle Crew. Um, and then if, yeah, people are more excited about other uh, streaming things we do, we might do that with other podcasts. But for right now, we're going to do the current uh, storyline of Dice Camera Action uh, will also be available for your listening pleasure on Dungeon Delve. Mm. Uh, and uh, we recently de- uh, put a whole bunch of content on Dungeon Delve for the release of Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, we did Podcast of Annihilation, so we asked 10 podcast com- uh, live play audio podcasts from the community to do an episode using some of the material from Tomb of Annihilation. Everybody chose different little tangents or, or plot points to uh, uh, start with and then uh, go on from there. Really good stuff, and we're going to be talking to one of those creators, uh, Joe Delabella, who does the uh, You Meet in a Tavern podcast. Uh, so that's really exciting. We're going to talk to him. I'll find out how he started playing Dungeons and Dragons and uh, what it was like doing that special episode as well as what they do on You Meet in a Tavern kind of all the time. So I'm excited to, to, to meet and talk to Joe. I am as well. It's a great name for a podcast. It is a good one, right? It's very apt. That's how you get started. You bought a Meet in a Tavern. You get, it just happens. <laughs> it's easy. That's how you meet, you know, your significant others and or uh, was, your adventuring party. That's what I was going to say, like a meet cute. <laughs> exactly. In the D&D world. Every, you know, one shot starts with a meet cute in a tavern. We met in a tavern. I like that. They bump into each other. <laughs> they drop their glasses. Oh, I'm sorry. Fight ensues. Fight ensues. It's resolved. Exactly. Uh, so, cool. We'll get to that. But uh, I wanted to let you guys know about some fun stuff that is happening in the world. Xanathar's Guide to Everything is coming out on November 10th in game stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has subclasses, 27 new subclasses for all of the classes in the uh, player's handbook, as well as we reprinted, I think, four or five from other sources that are now reprinted in this as well. So, tons of options for players out there. Really lore, uh, uh, you know, uh, strong, str- lore strong? Is that a word? It is Lore now. heavy. I like it. Lore, lore heavy strong. subclasses, uh-huh. you know. Uh, uh, we had uh, uh, Jeremy Crawford talk about the Inquisitive, which is basically like a, uh, a rogue uh, thinky character. So, you know, many thinky characters uh, are uh, wizards or spellcasters by default, but this is a, a like Sherlock Holmes type mm. analytic uh, rogue, which I thought was really interesting, matches with the mastermind of uh, uh, also a rogue, but a, a more criminally minded one. Um, there's some other fun one, like the Horizon Walker uh, uh, is a ranger that, you know, travels the plains instead of just the wilderness. That's always good stuff. I was going to mention really quickly, we've been giving away some initial excerpts from Xanathar's Guide as part of the Extra Life uh, donation levels. That's right. Uh, again, as always, Thank you so, so much for everyone who is able to commit your, your time and money to, to the cause. We have reached uh, over 20000 in donations so far. We're closing in on 25000 in donations. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, and we'll be releasing more and more stuff from Xanathar's as you guys donate towards Extra Life. Uh, so go to my page. I've got lots of stuff there that you can donate. Bart, do you have your page up? I do. I nice. do have my page. I need to add in a few more donation rewards, but uh, my page is up as a uh, 
participant as well. Yeah, if you just search for Greg Tito or Bart Carroll, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll come up, uh, no problem. But there's also the Wizards of the Coast and the Dungeons and Dragons teams uh, you can donate to as well uh, and or join. So yeah, we, we encourage you guys to uh, stream and or play Dungeons and Dragons on November 3rd and 4th alongside us uh, and the rest of the D&D team and raise money towards kids uh, uh, in Seattle Children's Hospital as well as, uh, you know, if everybody's doing anything, you can do towards different children's hospitals as well. Yes. Uh, around the country. So cool. And some international ones as well, I believe. Yes. Good stuff all around. Um, and uh, our friends uh, on the D&D team will be at Gamehole Con in Wisconsin. They'll be kind of bookending uh, that whole Extra Life extravaganza. November 3rd, uh, Friday in the evening time will be our first one. I think Mike Merles is dungeon mastering that one. Uh, and then uh, Chris Perkins is going to be dungeon mastering the final one. I'll be here hosting from uh, this here room where we're recording this right now and uh, being the glue between all the different segments that we'll be doing all that time. And playing. And playing. That's mm-hmm. right. I'll be playing in uh, uh, Lauren Urban's game, mm-hmm. Hobo Crazy, which should be lots of fun. Um, what do you think about uh, any more announcements? Do you want to throw any more out there for folks before we get to our segment? What do you think, Bart? Uh, no, I just, as always, thank you for watching as well. We've been debuting a few new live streams for this uh, fall season, 2017 season, for Tomb of Annihilation. We've, uh, as mentioned, one Grung Above on Wednesdays. Or Urban's uh, Destiny and Doom on Thursdays as well. Uh, we have Encounter Roleplay's Learn by Play on Saturday. Uh, Girls Guts Glory has uh, released their or streamed their second episode on Sunday. So uh, please check the calendar. It is constantly updating as new content uh, continues to roll out. But uh, as always, we're appreciative of everyone taking the time. Uh, for, in your schedules to to uh, to lend us your eyes, and those are just the new shows. We also have yes. our, our still <laughs> ongoing shows, uh, like we talked about Dice Camera Action, as well mm-hmm. as Maze Arcana. Uh, 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 we're not; they're not. Uh, High Rollers are no longer doing Uncharted territory, but they're doing uh, Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. That's right. I was going to get to it. Um, as well, uh, you know, we have, we have so much of these things, but go to the twitch.tv slash dnd uh, uh, page and you can find out all about when things are going to be firing. And, of course, watch us record De- Dragon Talk live on Mondays from, from 2 to 5 p.m. And Dragon time. Plus live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. That's right. <laughs> So much content. <laughs> we figured out we're doing 52 hours of uh, original programming yes. on the D&D Twitch channel with more to come. Uh, so uh, I know you, many of you listen to this only in podcast form, but there is a lot going on uh, live. Uh, so, hey, come check it out. It's good stuff. We And speaking of which, you can watch us record uh, Laurie Chanel or Sage Advice live uh, on those Mondays as well, which um, uh, I think we're going to get to a segment just about right now. And uh, you can get some, some lore bombs blowing up in your head. And bing bongs happening. Hello, I'm your host. <laughs> <laughs> steal your thunder. Hello and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. Uh, my name is Greg Tito and I am joined by Chris Perkins and Matt Cernet. And these lore masters will school me on little bits of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Forgotten's Realm, Forgotten's Realms yeah. lore uh, that you can use in your game. And today we're going to talk about again which until recently, until uh, Matt Mercer and uh, uh, Marisha Ray did their pronunciations on D&D Beyond, I called Sahagwin. There's a reason for that. Why is that? Well, so uh, in addition to it just being a weird word that people would pronounce any way they wanted to, uh, in I think like 2008 or something like that, there was an article online uh, on the Wizards website that had, it was frequently asked questions in FAQ, and one of them was pronunciations. And one of the things that it says is to pronounce it a Sahagin. Uh, however, that's a specious pronunciation list because it also says to pronounce Ayuz as yous and ears. So, mm, no. So we're retconning. We're retconning <laughs> it to Sahu again, which is much more fun to say, honestly. Yes. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about the fish uh, folk. Yes, also known as the sea devils. Mm. They are... Uh, fishy, fishy humanoids who live in the deep oceans and occasionally uh, wander into the shores to make off with people in the night and drag them back down into the deep. Ugh. Yeah, the the they appear in the first monster manual and the original monster manual. And there's an awesome line in there, which uh, it's the second line of the further descriptions. It just says, "The legends about and history of these monsters will be dealt with later." 
<laughs> Which and we're doing right now. Actually, a true statement because <laughs> yeah. by the time second edition rolled around, we made good on that promise by delivering an entire source book devoted oh. yep. to Sahuagin. Yep. It was called Sea Devils. Oh, and that's where like it was it a longer source book or was it just it was a soft? Was one of the second edition soft cover books, right. um, part of a series that focused on key monsters. The first one was. The Alithiad, and then we did one for Beholders, and then we did one for Sahuagin. I remember those. Yeah, it's it's about a hundred page book, and um, so there was that particular uh, book, um, and then there were a couple of adventures that supported it, and I think it was around the same time, but it might have been later that there was a series of novels, uh, Forgotten Realms novels, that were all related to that right. Sahuagin attack yes. and so on. The Threat from the Sea mm. novel series. Yes. Now, did they have, uh, before we go too far into those things, did they have a uh, uh, like a fairy tale or folklore background like many D&D monsters do? I, I mean... I would say that they're probably born out of Cthulhu mythos. Okay. Um, they sort of have a Lovecraftian feel to them. Right. They strange, have the madness. Strange creatures coming up out of the depths of the sea from some ancient long lost place. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- they've always been sort of associated with savagery and sharks and stuff like that more so than like weird Cthulhu stuff. So I think someone took the Cthulhu idea and then also just sort of like the, the um, what's the monster from the Black Lagoon kind of thing yeah. and just kind of put them together and... So the first adventure that ever really showcased Suhuagen came out of the UK. Mm. It was module U3, The Final Enemy. It was the third and final part of a three-part series called the Salt Marsh series, oh, yeah. which began with the Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh, which was a haunted house pirate escapade, Scooby-Doo-like adventure, and then continued with a delve into a lizard folk den in the second adventure, Danger at Dunwater, mm-hmm. and then concluded with you realizing that lizard folk weren't the real threat, that the disappearing folk and everything else going on in Salt Marsh was the cause of sea devils. And so you have to go to this Sahuagin stronghold and descend into this dungeon to fight them. And only then do you realize that a part of the stronghold is entirely underwater. Oops. And hmm. so it was D&D's first real foray into underwater adventuring. Oh. What, but, so what year was that? Was that like mid-80s? That would have been early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there, had that been dealt with as far as the mechanics of... No, they had to actually in the adventure include a bunch of rules to basically help you run the logistics of underwater combat in a Sahuagin stronghold. Interesting. Did, and were th- was that the foundation for underwater mechanics for a while, or was that... Um, it, it served that adventure. Yeah. Um, back, in that, back in those days, people came up with rules in isolated pockets, and so off. by the time second edition ended, I think there were probably 20 different rules for underwater <laughs> combat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I mean, and, prob- well, second edition were talking to about how uh, the other day about tree monsters and how there's like dozens and dozens of tree monsters. It's the same thing. The design kind of happened in isolation and uh, it kind of... And people have the same kind of uh, yeah. imagination kind of yeah. you know, things to make it go. So, yes. so, so who again, they were the sea devils. Uh, we mentioned sharks. Are they, are they half shark, half person? Is that... No. No. They've got an affinity <laughs> for sharks. Okay. The way that some people have an yeah. affinity for dogs or cats. Right. Uh, and sharks are often encountered with them in a fighting force. Yeah, uh, sharks Sharks are kind of like their attack dogs. Um, yeah. I think. Okay. So and it's like goblins and wolves a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And Sahuagin, uh, particularly with the advent of second edition, um, worship a deity called Sekola, uh, which always makes me think of Ricola. But <laughs> 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 well, the exact opposite effect, yeah. right? It makes uh, your throat hurt. But he's, he's it, just sort of this weird giant shark deity of ultimate savagery and destruction and eating things and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I see. I see. Uh, and are they, you know, uh, chaotic evil or are they lawful evil? Let's see. I think that how would they how do they organize their societies? Lawful evil, it says. Um, so they are. Uh, they have priestesses. Yeah, and they have and they have a uh, a a settlement, if you can call it that, of Sahuagin or a tribe of them. Often has a leader who is a really big Sahuagin with four arms called a baron. Oh, yeah. And the Sahuagin baron is considered to be just the toughest of the bunch. And so he rules by force of will and everybody kowtows to him. 
How did he get the extra set of arms? It's interesting mutations. Yeah, they're, uh, they're sort of prone to some mutation to some degree. Yes. Oh. They have, we should talk about Malenti. Yeah, they have an unusual one, which is that if they're near uh, sea elves, uh, the, if they're colonies near sea elves, they have the possibility of birthing what's called a, a Malenti, and that is basically a Sahuagin that looks like a sea elf. Oh. So. Yeah. That's creepy. It's, it's random and weird. Yeah. Um, it behaves in all respects like a Suhugan. It's taken into the Suhugan tribe as a Suhugan, but it looks like a sea elf. Huh. Yeah. And then they, they kind of can then use that Malenti as a spy or an assassin among the sea elves. We should do an episode on sea elves, too, because now, now I'm interested <laughs> more about them. Uh but um, all right, so so they so th- their their DNA is a bit mutable in some ways. Like they, they can yeah. adapt quickly. Yes. Yeah. There there is one short story I think it is from um uh there there's a series of various novels in, in the front realm setting that were realms of whatever you know realms of magic realms of uh, X Y Z and one of them was I think realms of the deep and it was a short story that had essentially a a posited an explanation that a dark elf who sought um, deityhood uh, used magic to create the Sahuagin and that's kind of why they have the elf affinity and they were going after the dark elves so for some reason didn't like the sea elves uh, I don't think that that's necessarily canonical by any means that's just one explanation one one. Yeah. right all right but if you're gonna set a, a, a D campaign in the sea or near the sea Sahuagin and the sea elf that conflict seems to be uh, a great yeah. way to, to build Sahuagin are sort of the aggressive bad guys of the sea um and they're highly organized and vicious and cruel, and you don't feel bad about killing them. That's always good, yep. <laughs> especially with a D&D monster. Yep. Uh, do, are, do they have any weaknesses? Do they have something that they you know, uh, go after? It sounds like sea elves, they have this hatred of them. So They don't like deserts. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like dry land. <laughs> they don't tend to wander too far away from the water, so yeah. There, there, yeah. there is that benefit. People in people far inland don't have to worry too much about Sahuagin attacks. They are bipedal, though, right? So they can they are, walk yes. on water on yes. land. They can walk around. Yep. Um, and let's see. Was there was there a Sahuagin actually in the Princes? Not Princes of the Apocalypse. There was in there Out of the Abyss too. In Princes of the Apocalypse, I believe. Yes. Um, there was a a Sahuagin. <laughs> I remember in the original draft, he was hiding in a bathtub. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still there. Uh, He's there, still in the there, same bathtub. <laughs> there's, a, there's a stray Sahuagin wandering around in Princes of the Apocalypse. Um, That's cool. But he's he's a little out of his element. You could say so. Yeah. <laughs> Miles from the sea. Yeah. Well, he's near a river. That's, you know, close to the sea. Are there river Sahuagin? Are there? No. They are a saltwater usually... dwelling species. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Important to note there. Uh, do they go into the Underdark as well? Are they they could end up there, absolutely, if the Underdark connects to the sea in flooded underground um, lakes. and Yeah. And I mean, Kuatoa kind of op- operate in that niche in yeah. as far as, like, you know, an aquatic species uh, in the Underdark. Um, they're crazier and weirder, but uh, th- that's kind of the place that they... They already operated, mm-hmm. so you don't really need them down there. No, but. Is there two kinds of fish folk. Is there a, a, a disambiguation there? Like, what's is that? A, this, the 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 Kuatoa are the under dark version of Sohu again? Or they're, they're not related. They're not related at all. No. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they just happen to both be bipedal, and they both happen to have fish-like qualities. But in sort of what we've established as the current canon, uh, Kuatoa were humanoid were humans that I got see. twisted and. and maligned and enslaved and eventually adopted weird fishy traits. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. They were they were enslaved by, like many underground races, mind flayers. Right. And mind flayers do messed up things to their thralls. Very, very strange things. But so who again uh, do not have that relationship with no, mind flayers? No, no. They are their own thing. They are their own thing. Uh, all right. Is there any anything going on within the Forgotten Realms, especially uh, uh, beyond what we already mentioned? But uh, you know, as far as history of of Suhuagin empires, <laughs> <laughs> funny you should mention that. Uh, so the, the sort of inland sea of the Forgotten Realms, the Sea of Fallen Stars. Uh, there's a there's a source book about that sea and all of its undersea kingdoms, and it goes through 
literally thousands of years of history of mm. uh, various empires of Sahuagin and sea elves and so on and so forth. So if that's your jam, my goodness, we got you covered there. <laughs> um, uh, but um, the the novels that we mentioned before, um, the Threat from the Sea novels series, uh, sort of details and attacks of the Suhuigan on the Sword Coast, and particularly Waterdeep. And mm-hmm. so they go there uh, and they attack the city, at, at, um, and it's you know about 100 years back or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a major sort of attack on Waterdeep, assault on Waterdeep at that point. Yeah, the, the Sword Coast is prone to Suhuigan attacks. And they're all along yeah. the coast, essentially. Yeah, and in fact, if you go back and you look at some of the really old FR material, like the um, the ruins of Undermountain box mm-hmm. set, there are references to Sahuagin ending up in Undermountain, um, presumably, not willingly. As adventurers, like going down. No, to... just just finding their way down in there oh, and I just see. kind of roaming around and actually kind of hanging out there and there's like Suhuagin statues there and other things to hint that hey there's actually you know Suhuagin connection mm. not a major thing just incidental I um, imagine Halliser just kind of occasionally floods a level of the dungeon for the hell yeah. of it <laughs> like, who else is going to get in there except <laughs> this needs a rinse <laughs> awesome Suhuagin came in oh, what the hell and they're, they're just as bad right yeah. uh, so that, that begs a good question though like do they uh, build I mean are they do they create cities or villages underneath the water? Do they build statues? Do they, I mean, if they have an empire, they build something. Generally, yeah. I mean, I would imagine a lot of Sahuagin societies are kind of semi-nomadic. Um, yeah. I think they probably there might be undersea caves that mm-hmm. they basically conquered and filled in, like with their with their hordes and masses, and used for shark pens and things like that. I don't think they build, you know, skyscrapers or right. I mean, they they can use tools. They know the value of weapons and stuff like that. But as you, I mean, imagine forging things under the sea and also having them last very long once you got them under there is kind of weird. So I, a lot of the items that they take are probably taken from other creatures that, um, yeah. you know, know how to do that better. In uh, the final enemy, the adventure where you kind of first really get to fight them mm-hmm. in D&D, they've basically taken a sunken island which had a bunch of caves and stuff, and expanded those caves with dungeon chambers. So it's very much a labyrinthine place that you're going into that they've obviously modified mm. and, and sort of built out for their needs. That makes sense. Right. Uh, so if you were a dungeon master and you were thinking about using Sahu again, what's kind of like the tenets that you would use them uh, I mean, the, the most sort of common thing is... You're in a coastal community and suddenly, you know, you wake up the next morning or you wake up in the night to screams of people being dragged away into the depths and you have to beat the Sahuagin back into the sea mm-hmm. and maybe find out where they're coming from if you want to prevent further attacks. Um, that's sort of the stock and trade use of them. Yeah. Another one would be, you know, you're sailing someplace and like, whoa, Sahuagin, just climb aboard. Climb aboard <laughs> you're suddenly re- repelling these borders and again, throwing them back into the sea. You know, and I mean, they're they're probably just there to steal your swords because <laughs> they can't make them. They yeah. can't make them under the water. Right, fire is hard to make underwater. <laughs> that makes total sense. All right, so they're basically like uber pirates, or like you know, some kind of yeah. They're they're a quiet. nasty, monstrous pirate raider, sea raider kind yeah. of force. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they they their element is the water. I mean, they they prefer to fight there. So you know, when they do attack you on the ship, expect to get thrown overboard. Right? Right. <laughs> expect there to be sharks, sharks when you get thrown water, overboard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Like, it doesn't end well. Sharks in the water. Yep. Gonna need a bigger boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as long as if someone's quoting, uh, 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 you know, Richard Dreyfuss, you should be okay. All set. Uh, all right, great. Well, thank you guys uh, uh, for that dive on Sahu. A dive. That dive into Sahu again. You oh, really oh. helped me out there. Uh, if people want to ask you uh, more lore questions, how could they get in touch uh, with you, Mr. Perkins? I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. And I'm also on Twitter at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Sweet. Uh, and you can ask us anything uh, at wizards underscore D-N-D uh, or myself. I'm at Greg Tito. Um, and uh, we'll be coming up with more Lore You Should Know segments uh, pretty soon. Thanks a lot. All right. That was a really good segment. Did you like listening to that segment? Amazing. What did you learn that was the, possibly the best thing that you could ever learn for a Dungeons & Dragons game? So who again? So who again? 
Oh, shit. we got to put that on. Sugan needs to be on this one now. <laughs> We've telegraphed it too much. It's going to happen. That was not awkward silence. We're not awkward at all. We, we, we know exactly. No, it was awkward. Uh, so uh, in order to cl- fill up that awkward silence, let's call up uh, Joe and ask him all about you being a tavern. Hello? Hello. Oh, you're there. Whew. I'm here. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm Did... fantastic. Shelly, you look ravishing today. <laughs> Did you see all the blood coming out of her eyes? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird illness where uh, it's a transformative illness. <laughs> I don't know. Shape changer. You, you went through the Tomb of Horrors uh, and went through the fog and you came out as a, as a, as a different uh, gender, didn't you? That would be a cool sort of like a doppelganger virus where you just start randomly shape-shifting you don't even know into what. Oh, yeah. But, and and uh, you, to you, it, nothing had ever changed. You're like, oh, yeah, I've always been this way. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. The next Hi, curse. How are you doing, Joe? I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, thanks for, for calling in and uh, uh, getting a chance to pick your brain about uh, uh, you meet a tavern and, and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for, thanks for asking me on. So, uh, yeah, why don't we get started at the beginning? When did you start playing Dungeons & Dragons? What was your, your, your origin story for uh, uh, playing this game? <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, I started like a lot of players started thinking that Dungeons and Dragons was just a game for a bunch of nerds that play. And, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, I, I, I actually was a teacher. I was a former teacher and this was obviously in my twenties. And one of my, one of my students, um, said that she was going to start a D and D club after school. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll help proctor that grade some tests while I'm doing it, um, you know, yada, yada. And a couple meetings in, they started getting to talk about it, and I was just, I've always kind of been a fantasy nerd, so I started getting interested in it and watching them play and roll dice, and it looked like a lot of fun, so I said, you know, can I roll a character? So that's kind of how I got started. I I rolled up uh, a rogue. I wish I could remember the name. Um, I do remember dying in, like, the second round of combat, so that was great. Um, but yeah, kind of fell in love with it after that and, um, took about a year off to, you know, recruit maybe some friends that might've been also interested in, in starting it up. Um, and then I've just been kind of in love with that ever since. How old were your students? Was this junior high? Was this high school? This was high school. So I taught, I taught, uh, high school math. They were, um, sophomores and juniors. And what was their initial reaction when you expressed interest in joining their game? (laughs) Um, I think, you know, I was one of the younger teachers mm-hmm. and there's all, always that like closer relationship when you're closer to the age with the kids, um, where I think they were surprised, but then it was like, oh, you know, that's Mr. DB. He's, he's down to kind of do whatever. So, uh, so, they were excited and I was excited. Sounds like they didn't take it easy on you. You lasted <laughs> no, to the no. second round of combat. <laughs> Obviously not. They're like, we just I, want to pound them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Are you yeah, sure they you wanted, wanted to they get wanted back to me. <laughs> get back to me all those uh, bad test grades I gave on. <laughs> so you came into it as an adult then. I mean, that's that, we, we don't hear that very often. I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's crazy. I, so I guess, did you did you yeah, hear about it when you were younger or, or was it always something that you thought wanted to get into or just how, how did that work? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you hear about it from media and, you know, I had some so we, we had people in, in high school that played. Um, I've always and me and my group of friends have always been into like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we just never, that just never occurred to us to play Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's sometimes it's got this stigma from people that are outside that don't really know what it's like until they're actually in the game. And that was me up until, you know, I, I was kind of forced into it by these teenagers. <laughs> forced into it i love that right. i love that teens were the ones that brought you in you're like yeah, we're gonna do this amazing cool thing and you're like yeah all right whatever i'll, I'll just do the boring thing in the back while you're doing that <laughs> right exactly and now i'm obsessed so thank you teenagers <laughs> <laughs> thank you fellow teens right I'm, I'm picturing you as that like steve buscemi uh uh meme picture where he's got like the <laughs> You know, the skateboard over his shoulder, and he's like, hello, fellow teens. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, uh, so they call you Mr. DB, huh? That's a a cool nickname. Yeah, they call me Mr. DB. Now, DB has some other connotations, but I never got to that level. Um, (laughs) That's good. Luckily. Yeah. DB, Deebs. Yeah. 
I was thinking decibels, uh, you know, sometimes in a, when I was doing theater, the sound design people would be like, uh, turn it up 2 dB or down 2 dB. I was like, what's oh, dB? Yeah. And they're like, decibels. I'm like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I, I taught math. I ran that club, and I also directed some of their shows there. So I understand oh, nice. the, uh, the theater talk. Another theater person. <laughs> How does every single guest have some theater connection? It's really like 9 out of 10. It's amazing. I don't know. I don't know. I think there must be a crossover between people who want to uh, 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 perform Dungeons and Dragons and people who want to perform on a stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. D&D the musical. We, we got to make it happen. Like, let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing the music right now in my head. We got Lynn manuel right, right. Miranda's on board, I think, too. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you could have the audience roll dice, some kind of audience participation. Oh, great. I like that idea. Improv? Uh, right? Yeah. Like, make it like an improv musical? We don't know how the musical's going to end. Yeah, right? <laughs> we got to get that guy from uh, Who's Lines Anyway, uh, uh, who's really good at, at improvising lyrics. Oh, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. Mm-hmm. We got to get Wayne Brady. Absolutely. You don't I'll make... call him up. <laughs> yeah, you call him up. All right, good. I so, like... I was just, <laughs> so just curious then from from the scholastic origins of the game then how did you start up your own gaming and campaigning uh yeah so i i started i think we we played when i ran that club i think we played uh 3.5 i think that's about sounds right mm-hmm. and then um when fifth edition came out i went and bought the starter set and this is when i kind of like went out and got a bunch of friends and said, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons this Friday and you're going to love it and we're going to try it out. Um, so we, I ran the, the uh, starter set Lost Minds of Fandelver. We did yep. a few sessions. We finished up that campaign. Um, and from that, I said, you know, this would be really awesome. I We had so much fun playing that game and the guys that I played with were hilarious. So he said, I'm going to start up a, a podcast and get three of my funniest dude friends and we're going to share this with other people and we're going to hopefully make them laugh along with us while we play the game. So that's kind of how how our thing got started. And then did you start recording after that or was that was it always a recorded thing? Oh, we, we started recording after that. So I, I sat down and started to write uh, my own homebrew story. So mm. our podcast is all kind of made up stuff and still making it up as we go along. I, I kind of have an idea as, as to where the story is going to end up. But um, again, that's all kind of up to them. I like that. I like that not knowing. I think there's some there's some power to that so that it feels like it's a crafted story from, oh, yeah. the, uh, for, you know, from the players and the, and the Dungeon Master working together. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of things in game where I haven't thought of them, but because of the decisions that they make, their characters make, whether um, they're going over their backstory and all of a sudden this story has completely changed from what I originally thought it would be because of decisions that they've made. So, and, and for the better, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always, it almost it makes it more powerful when it, it, it comes from, from the players. Right. Absolutely. So were you always a dungeon master? Did you ever play or was it because you were getting together with your friends that you kind of were the default? I think that's pretty much the case. Um, <laughs> since since I was the kind of the guy that was like, all right, let's play Dun- let's play Dungeons and Dragons. I'll be the dungeon master. So it was me telling the story and basically teaching them the rules at the same time. Right. And it, it's kind of stuck since I enjoy being a player. Um, and since these guys have gotten gotten more experience with the game, they've volunteered to dungeon master, and and that's been a lot of fun to kind of see see how they have responded to my teachings and have become, you know, these great storytellers. And did the party, just ask the question, did the party meet in a tavern for the first time? <laughs> Absolutely, they did. <laughs> Our podcast, they started out in a tavern, um, which just makes sense with the group of guys that I'm running it with. <laughs> nice. Lots of drinking. That's all that, that's important. Lots of drinking. Yeah, we actually have a, there is a shop in our podcast, in our podcast world, um, where they are able to buy magical beers and they kind of work like potions with different effects. Um, and we've gotten like audience participation mm. and they've submitted certain beers and what they do. So that's, that's been a really great additive to our, our show's theme. I like a, that. That's that is good. a cool idea. Yeah. That could be like a dragon plus uh, article. Yeah. Like what, what, what benefits do you get from a stout? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Slightly magically flavored brews. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would be a great, ah, it's <laughs> done, done and done. I had a dungeon master who wouldn't tell you what a, what a potion was, 
Until you drank it. Until you drank it. Yeah. Right? Oh, and I love that. So you uh, so we developed this like kind of system of like just tasting it. Mm-hmm. And then he had this like table that was like codified about like each kind of potion tasted and then smelt a different way. So yeah. once we caught onto that, we started realizing, oh, like the you know, the cinnamonary uh, buttery taste is is a healing potion. So that's good. <laughs> but there isn't one alchemist out there that's like, that's a potion of, you know, invisibility, but I've added a cherry flavor to it. So <laughs> right. I don't know what it is. <laughs> they all they all had a a standardized Yeah. They okay. all kind of felt and and, and tasted <laughs> tasted the same across things. I guess you kinda of have to do that with that system, but then that'd be a fun way to mix it up is like, all right, right the alchemist but this is my special blend. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. exactly. Extra hoppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I was just curious. You were mentioning that you were uh, involving the players who were new to the game as well. They were learning as you were learning. They were learning to play as you were learning to Dungeon Master. Uh, were there any lessons that stuck out in your head as far as what you needed to learn as a new Dungeon Master versus uh, what they might have needed help with uh, as a player? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, and we, we kind of started off our podcast this way is at episode zero and mm-hmm. we didn't record, I kind of wish we would have, but, um, as right after they created their characters, I ran them through a sample combat where we fought some wolves. Um, and they did very, very poorly. And <laughs> some of that, some of that was due to them not really understanding how combat worked and what all they can do in a full turn of actions. You know, they would just be like, okay, I'm gonna swing my sword, roll the dice, done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that was me learning how to balance their skills with the, the enemies that I throw in, uh, you know, for a scene. So that was a really good learning experience for us, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I agree. Sometimes it, it can default to like the Fred Flintstone boxing match where it's two guys just standing still hitting each other with the clubs. Mm-hmm. But if, if the players know that they can branch out, use the environment, try different tactics and... At the end of the day, like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? You, you miss anyways on a, on a low roll. So just right. try something and, and, and see what happens when you roll high. It's always, it's always a lot of fun to see what they might be inspired to try, try and do. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and just from a podcast perspective, you know, you could sit at a table and you can run a combat for two hours and everyone could have a great time. Um, but from a podcast perspective, you've got to throw in you know, environmental changes and different moves from the enemies and make your combat short but meaningful. Um, so that's kind of been a learning process as we've as we've gone through it to mm-hmm. just keep our audience kind of motivated and, and interested in what's going on. Yeah, and your, your, your episode for Podcast of Annihilation is a good example of that where it's essentially just a long fight with the uh, uh, Terra folk, uh, but it never felt... You know, like it was always exciting. Always new things were, were popping up, and new new different thing. Of course, on being on a boat, and and uh, being in a harbor outside Port Nianzaru helps because there's lots of crazy things going on. But and dealing with terrafolk, right. where they've got another Depth. axis of yeah, yeah, exactly. They can be high, they can be low, like that, all kind of stuff. So yeah, no, kudos to you on 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 making that uh, uh, feel like a really fun two and a half hour episode. That's awesome. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Especially with guests, you know, the people that you don't, <laughs> don't play with that often uh, uh, jumping into it. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Having, it helped that we had some great guests for sure. Yeah. Will was on there. Will from uh, uh, Encounter Roleplay. Will Jones. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and then we uh, had uh, Brittany from Venture Maidens. So uh, so those were your guests for, for that thing. Uh, but they were also playing uh, one-off uh, characters that they don't normally play on your podcast. But maybe you want to go through and, and tell us the cast uh, uh, of... of the, you know the regular cast and what they what they play. Sure, yeah. Um, you mean in the you mean the tavern podcast or the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you mean a tavern? Oh, sure, yeah. So we have um, I have three guys playing with me. Uh, Kirk, who plays Tug Mugbar, who is a halfling monk um, barback. He's kind of like a he's got a Napoleon complex as a short guy. Um, loves to use his fists, and and he's going the route of. A, a drunken master kind of monk. So that's he's he's one of my favorite characters. Um, we have a human paladin named Carl, played by Brian, and he started off as this kind of like unsure paladin, not really sure where his faith was. He became a paladin based off of you know just because his father was one at one point, and he found his sword and shield. 
Um, and since we've started and since we've gotten, you know, a bunch of episodes in, he's kind of found his place in the world, which is really cool. That's cool. And then we have uh, my friend Jamal, who plays Durf Turf Toe. <laughs> and he is a, a half-elf druid, former burglar. So he is kind of like a, a nature... Uh, nature loves to change into animals, but also steals from the rich, gives to the poor. So we call him kind of like a Robin Hood-ish character. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. They, I think they balance each other really well. They've got different personalities, um, different abilities. We've got a good trio of, of characters that can kind of uh, do anything in any situation. So. Yeah, yeah. I like, and then the the paladin can sometimes heal, and the druid can sometimes heal. So, like, yeah, that, right, uh, right. it kind of helps out when not having a, a pure healer there. Right. Uh, the paladin's name is Carl with a K, so his last name is with a K. His <laughs> name is spelled with a K. So, <laughs> so were these the names of the of the, the the first characters that they rolled up? Uh, these were the names of the characters that they came up for the podcast. So yeah, so yeah, this is like original original names this makes sense yeah it's like <laughs> the origins of melf the uh one of the original D D characters it was male elf and they're like oh so his name is melf like i don't know <laughs> but right it's going with the lowest common denominator uh, yeah. <laughs> carl with a k <laughs> yeah and then with a k his last name is actually spelled with a c so it's w-i-t-h-a-c-a-y <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, the shirts are great. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you guys been recording and, and, and putting out the podcast? We have been, uh, we started in late, or maybe beginning of February. So we're, we're getting closer to a year. We've got, uh, we just, our 18th episode mm-hmm. actually just went out today. And we pretty much, we try to record uh, once a month. We've both got, uh, we've all got, um, you know, full-time jobs and I've got a kid on the way. And uh, oh, one of the other guys has kids. Thank you very much. So, so we try to meet up once a month and record for like three hours and usually split that into um, two episodes that we release every two weeks. That's smart. Do you spend yeah. a lot of time uh, uh, editing uh, after that? I do. Fact? <laughs> I do. I spend a lot. Of, just ask my wife. I do. I do <laughs> spend a lot of time editing, uh, producing. Uh, a good friend of ours, Jacob Pretty, he does the music, so that's been a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I, I started doing the music at the beginning, and he's kind of taken over, so... Um, yeah, editing takes a while, especially with this group. <laughs> well, take it from us. Adding a kid will not impact your schedule whatsoever. Oh, yeah, not at all. If anything, oh, you'll have sure. more time to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe... I'll feed the baby. No worries. I'll just get on my computer here. Oh, I finally remember having the, the newborn on my desk uh, bottle on my chest as I was playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Sadly, though, they start to get to move very soon after that. And, uh, yeah, dangerous. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you should be fine. You get right back into Dungeons & Dragons in no time. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. So I, I did want to ask, and, and, and we, we, we love folks that are recording their, their podcasts or interested in, in streaming their, their games as well. Uh, just trying to support that as much as possible. What advice might you have for uh, Dungeon Masters? Ah, stole your question. Yeah, good job. (laughs) Dungeon Masters or others that were interested in in starting up their own podcast or live stream as as far as scheduling or gear or editing time that you might devote to it, getting it posted, all all of the logistics that go into uh, getting the show put together. Yeah, right. Um, wow, there's a lot. Uh, I would say, yeah, it definitely takes a lot more time than I think I thought of originally. So you've got to be motivated. You've got to have some time because um, the more time you put into it, the better show it's going to be. And that's just a simple math formula, you know. Um, as far as, as equipment, I really do wish we would have started with a little bit better audio equipment. Um, I think I was quick to jump the gun in the first two episodes, just like ready to get this thing live and didn't do a whole lot of research as far as like what the best audio output was going to be, best programs to use for editing. So our first two episodes are a little rough. Um, we eventually got our got on the ground running. Um, so I would say if you're if you're interested in doing something like that, make sure that you definitely have everything you need and do the research and 
invest in some solid microphones for your crew and figure out what programs you're going to use and do some test runs. Maybe, maybe like do a one shot here and there once or twice and, and give it to your friends and say, how does this sound or what would you do different um, before you just kind of jump into it? Yeah, I think that's key. I think having solid, clean audio is the one thing that audiences won't pay attention to you know like they'll, they'll just tune out after that like you know I mean a lot of people are doing streaming and stuff and that's the number of thing I want I tell them is is make sure your audio is good people will forgive a, a a not perfect video quality but they won't they won't forgive not being able to hear what's happening or, or, or right. static or something like that especially in a podcast where you're releasing you know an hour episode at a time uh, I'm always afraid we we lose a lot of listeners that listen to this first two episodes and think oh is this what it's gonna be like the whole time you know I'm out I'm not you gotta remix them this, so. you gotta remix them and put them back I know there. I've tried I put a bumper at the beginning of our first that's like okay you can skip ahead if you want um, <laughs> or please stick with us to at least if you don't like us by the end of the third episode you can go it's fine but stick with us yeah. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm thinking this through as I'm speaking. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky proposition. And it, it holds true for us as well. When we start up new shows and new live streams, we always knew there would be some learnings along the way and improvements that we're always looking to achieve. Mm-hmm. But now we're perfect. And <laughs> nothing is, you know, we'll never screw up again. <laughs> I think it was just last week when the lights went off because there wasn't enough movement in the Oh, room. yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I wonder if there is something where you could go back about midway through a season or a year and redo episode one. Uh, like, hey, we're going to redo this, uh, this encounter this week as if, as if it were the start of the whole thing. It but might be interesting as like a, a flashback. Right. You know, like you're not necessarily going back to what happened in that first episode, but you're going back to you know, an hour before what happened in that first episode or, 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 you know. See, I'm thinking, yeah, so not Back to the Future. You're going Back to the Future 2. I'm going Back to the Future 2. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I had thought about going back and just telling them, okay, listen to the episode, remember exactly what you said, and we're going to record this thing. <laughs> Your exact inflection. Uh, right. You laugh in that right exact way. It's very Primer <laughs> if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, no, I haven't. Is that oh. what happens in Primer? Way to spoil a you know time travel movie. I didn't that say yeah no. It's a good, fantastic <laughs> time travel movie, but he has to keep an earpiece so he remembers what he said the last time he went through. Oh, I heartily recommend Primer. If you that's nice. Time. I'm gonna wear these big uh, ear ear muffs that I have on right now, <laughs> so that no one will know. <laughs> nice. So uh, so where do you think your story is going? Uh, you said you're kind of like you kind of maybe know, but like do you, do you have like uh, is there a, a, like a kind of fantasy that you've always – story you've always wanted to tell or, or are there uh, things that you might like – will this get to an end point and will you start up something new? Yeah. Um, I, so I basically have like uh, – let's try to put this into an analogy. I, I have the skeleton of the story mm-hmm. and they're filling it up with the flesh and the blood and the skin and all that kind of stuff. So so I, I have um, – we I set up a story that's where they need to go collect these items, which is I think is good for podcasts because I can introduce like different worlds to them as they go and, and search out this item or, or the other one. Um, and then it's going to end when obviously they find all of them and then this big kind of climax and finale. So that's as far as I've gotten. I, I know where they're going to go and what the items are going to be and kind of what I want, you know, the – big bad evil guy to look like and and how that final battle is going to shake out Mm. um but the real big details i really only like to stay maybe one or two episodes ahead of them you know because those things might change and all the work that i put into it will be totally for nothing so um yeah that that's where we're at uh and then when we finish up this i think we're going to do a second season and we talked about maybe um going forward with the original podcast of annihilation episode that we did mm. because it kind of it ended where they landed on the beach in the jungles of Chalton. They're like about to go explore the jungle in search of, of, of port. And I think that would be a great launching off part for another whole season of the podcast where we maybe run through the tomb of annihilation adventure book or some kind of spinoff um, involving a lot of the stuff that's in it. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I think that'd be interesting to do. 
Everything. And it's already kind of set up for me too, so a lot less work. <laughs> and I mean, Aramag, the uh, the dragon turtle, has got you know five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred gold pieces, so he's going to retire, I think. <laughs> yeah, at I mean, the end. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all the money you need. Uh, Is that from the rent? Yes. Musical? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. M- more theater people <laughs> were were there in the podcast and made that joke, and it just went from there. I'm the yeah. I'm the sports side. I'm not the theater side, but I do know <laughs> that ball. sounds like a theater uh, reference. It really was. It was good stuff. Oh, yeah. I think I think it was slow on some of the pickup for a lot of the people on the cast, but they were like, "Oh wait, that's what that joke is." <laughs> it was like two minutes later when they said, "Oh, is that like that song?" <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> good stuff. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that would be a really good way, uh, jumping off point. That's what I love about, uh, the adventure books that, that, that Perkins writes is that they're, they're all feel like inspiration starters for me. I'm never the kind of person who wants to run it whole cloth, whoever wants to be like, you know, you, you know, on this session, you'll go to, you know, Dungeon Long and on this question, you know, you're going to do this. It's like, I'm always like, here's a, here's a sandbox to explore and, and, you know, have at it. Yeah. But right. In a way, they almost have to be, right? If we're putting out a campaign book a year, we're, we need to hit a broad range of character levels and interests. So having it be more open-ended is, is definitely useful so Dungeon Masters can have that sandbox experience and, yeah. and tailor it however they want and still have a compelling story throughout and still have that uh, compelling villain waiting for them at the end that's going to be threatening no matter who you are as a character. I liked uh, I like that you said Joe. Where it's just going to be used as oh maybe I'll just use parts of it, mm-hmm. you know, as it goes as you go through. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm actually running a play by post game right now um, that I'm running through the Tomb of Annihilation, and it's been nice because none of my guys ha- have the book; they don't know what's going on. So I've been able to kind of pick up locations um, elsewhere in on the island or on the peninsula, and you know, put them in their way. Where you know things that I like and and, and places that I, I want them to kind of encounter, um, so that's been really really awesome. We've had a lot of fun. Well, from a business perspective, I encourage all your players to buy the book. Just don't read it. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Put it on your shelf and say, "Look, I'm I'm playing this campaign." <laughs> terrible, terrible shilling over here from uh, from Bart Carroll. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so yeah, did you? So did uh, uh, the players enjoy uh, jumping in? Because you said you have a homebrew for for your other game, right? Uh, yeah, for for the play by post game. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm definitely running through the Tomb of Annihilation adventure book, um, but there is some extra stuff that I've thrown in there, uh, just based on you know things that I think they've liked. So I don't I don't know how spoilers or if I can give anything away. How does that work? <laughs> Don't go too far. I mean, I think people pretty much know most of what's happening, uh, but right, not yeah. not the last bit of what's happening. Yes. So, so like the death curse, everyone knows about the death curse. So, yes. in, in this homebrew game, it's a little bit different. The death curse actually um, turns everything they kill into zombies immediately. So Ooh. they kind of um, will spew out this black smoke and liquid, and suddenly, uh, you know, get transformed into this rotting corpse which immediately attacks them so they need to remember after every fight to kind of take care of that before they transform so that sounds like uber hard and i love it Mm -hmm. it is (laughs) they've almost died several several times so (laughs) that is super cool i like that we thought that chris perk is putting in like the meat grinder mode i was like yeah i don't know if that many people are gonna do it but like i i I feel like that is even cooler like as soon as they die right you, you better watch out and burn them Yes, right. and that kind of it kind of um, the way that I've kind of explained it is that this smoke rises from their mouth and travels somewhere south. So we know that everything uh, that's dying is mm. their souls are going somewhere, but they don't really know where that is. Yeah, I like that too. I, I, for some reason, I was immediately thinking like Smoke Monster from uh, Lost as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also in a jungle. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Can I make that cannon? Make that like. The, the clicking sound that they do. <laughs> I don't remember reading about the plane crash in the beginning of the book. <laughs> there is a yeah. uh, 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 ship shipwreck. Right, it's a airship. <laughs> uh, oh, mm. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even realize all of the lost uh, uh, connotations here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when I when I run uh, uh, to Moon Island, you'll find a Dharma Initiative uh, compound. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sarax uh, <laughs> experimental laboratories. Oh yeah, what if that guy, the bad guy, is actually a Sarax? It's not the smoke monster. It's yeah. I, <laughs> I love all this. This is we're going down a deep dark hole. Uh, I can't wait. There's a uh, musical right there. There's the musical. There's the plot of the musical. I love it. Uh, so as someone, this is kind of shifting tracks a bit, but as someone who got into uh, playing and dungeon mastering and recording uh, and or performing it, you know, later, you know, as an adult, uh, what advice would you give to uh, other folks who have, like you, like you had to kind of get, get your friends on board to, to, to start playing? Like what, what advice would you give uh, people who are listening to this who are like, man, I would really like to play, but I just got to get my friends to do it. How, how would you do it? Just do it. I mean, it's so much fun. It's such a fun game, and I had no idea. Um, I, you know, there's there's obviously there's lots of different options. There's game stores, local game stores that will throw one shots. Um, we have a game bar here in Cincinnati that does a one shot night once a month, and they have a bunch of tables set up and they play different game systems, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, obviously being one of those. Um, so you know, look around for those opportunities. Get on Facebook. I'm sure you can find something around your area. You could always get on Roll20, play online with anybody you want, or join one of those play-by-post sites if you just kind of want a feel of what, what it's like to role-play. I, I really like the play-by-post stuff be, as a DM because you have time to respond to um, you know what, what your players are doing, so you have time to formulate better dialogue and better descriptions of locations and whatnot. So you know, there's there's so many different ways to just get involved in role playing and tabletop gaming. And if if you have the tinge of interest in it, absolutely do it because it is so much fun and you have no idea until you're in there playing a game. What if you have reluctant friends? Mm, then <laughs> force them, pay them money, <laughs> buy them pizza, say you're coming over, we're eating pizza, I'll buy the pizza, I'll buy the beer and we're going to play a dice game. Ooh. Then, yeah. You're saying and then bring out your miniatures and your dragon, you know, your DM screen and, and have at it. They can't leave. There's free pizza. <laughs> it's true. No, I, 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 I've had that come up before as well. The reluctant player. Yeah. But you know that they would have a good time. They just might not know they would have a good time. And, and a lot of times it's just having that conversation, which happens a lot of times in Dungeons and Dragons, frankly, which is, don't worry about playing the game incorrectly, which which seems to be a fear in a lot of new players is, well, I don't know what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. other people know the game or know it a little bit better than I do, and I, I don't want to I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to screw up anyone else's enjoyment around the table. Uh, so I, I think that's always a good conversation to have from the dungeon master to a new player, which is don't don't worry about it. Uh, there's a couple of quick rules with the D20 I can walk you through, and the rest of it it's just having a good time, and, and don't feel like you're going to bring the game down for, for anyone else. For sure. Uh, and then on the other side of it, I, I guess <laughs> I would also suggest, hey, if you're going to try this game, what else would what, uh, what other game or movie or, or experience uh, have you tried to convince me to do that I can repay in, mm-hmm. in kind? Oh, so not, not the bribe with food or drink, uh, as Joe is saying, but bribe them with like, all right, I'll... Hey, I'll go in with you on your thing. You want to yes. go skydiving sky together? You've been trying to get me to skydive for years. <laughs> I'll do that if you jump out of a plane into my imagination. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> however it works out. <laughs> I yeah, I had this. I had that tit for tat. It was uh, somebody I know had uh, had never seen Predator, and I had never seen an episode of the uh, the Love Boat. So there you go. Oh man. Both of you kind of lost with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> hold on. <laughs> I, I have also never seen Predator, which I admitted to you, I think, last week, right? Yes. Oh, that's right. I have never yeah. actually seen Predator. But yeah, I'm not, I don't I'm want you to watch The Love Boat you, in, in, in response. You and Shelley had never seen it. <laughs> oh, so now we know who this person was. <laughs> well, I thought that was obvious. <laughs> she wanted you to watch The Love Boat? I'd never seen The Love Boat. I'd never seen Fantasy Island. I'd, I don't know any of these shows. Oh, man. They, those were not as good. <laughs> as, as Predator. As Predator. Agreed. And I still haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but I feel like they... Well, no, that's not true. I was just going to say they should bring back that like celebrity guest on a drama every week ep- kind of thing. But I, no, I don't think they should. Like SVU? Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess that's when it tends to happen, right? On the uh, crime drama shows. Nowadays. I guess that is. Yeah, I guess you're right. You see them all the time now. Not the, the, the wacky, the procedurals. Sitcom. I feel like that's where careers go to die, though. Yeah. <laughs> they show up on those shows and you never see them again. They're either they're either like at the cusp of their career, about to become you know famous working actors, or, or right, or else that's the only thing they can get at that point. Right. <laughs> Uh, yes, Ron uh, in the chat says the best uh, the best part of Fantasy Island was the beginning with uh, uh, God. The, what was the name of the guy? Was it the plane? The plane? Tattoo? Tattoo? Yeah. That's right. You know, you don't even know the show. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Ricardo Montalban. So the best part of the show was the opening credits. <laughs> and then it was the all downhill from there. That's the same on. with the Love Boat too. <laughs> the Love Boat opening credits are great. <laughs> But then the show itself. The, not so much. Give it a pass. Hard yeah, pass. Hard pass on that one. <laughs> All right. So we've covered, uh, uh, you know, Fantasy Islands, Love Boat, Lost, Rent. Uh, what else do we want to cover uh, ent- entertainment-wise before we, we start asking <laughs> Joe? <laughs> it's back to be our – you're going to be our TV and movie critic uh, going forward. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Bring it um, so uh, you meet in a tavern. Getting back to that. So uh, how you you got you said you've done eighteen episodes so far. How do you do it? Like biweekly or is it a monthly? Yeah, we do it biweekly. Um, and we've done a couple like bonus episodes that have been in between those off weeks. I like to you know throw some content out there. I don't want to leave people too long between episodes. That seems to be our biggest complaint <laughs> right now. Is where's the new episode? We want to know <laughs> what happens next. So it's only um, going to yeah. come out faster once your once your baby is born. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna hold that to you, Greg. <laughs> no, we're gonna hold that to you. You're <laughs> and your wife, who's gonna be very happy that you're recording and editing podcasts uh, right, into, sure. the, into the wee hours of the night. Uh, cool. So, when's uh, when do you typically release them? Is it like a special day of the week, or is it just uh, uh, when when the feed gets ready? Usually on Monday. So every other every other Monday is when Sweet. we release them, unless we have a, a you know bonus content, which we'll put out whenever. Cool. And what what can you tease about this current episode? I know there's a problem with a steering wheel. Yes, yes. There is. Um, they are in the newest location. They're trying to find the newest uh, what I've called totems of the priests of Pelor, and they are in a in a town called Kingston Landing, uh, looking for a way to get to Dragonspire Island, where the rumor is that this item is held. And they get in a little bit of a tussle because the wheel that is supposed to steer the ship that takes them to Dragonspire Island is stolen by this band of pirates and they've got to go to their hideout to retrieve it. So this newest episode is them finding the hideout and kind of battling their way through. Sweet. Nice. Uh, And where can people find out about you and uh, you meet in a tavern? Sure. Yeah, we uh, we're on. We are hosted through Podbean. You can go to youmeetinatavern.podbean.com. Uh, we post a lot on Twitter. Me personally at Joe the DM, which I'm really surprised that wasn't taken when I created that Twitter handle. <laughs> so, me personally at Joe the DM, and then on all social media: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, our podcast is at YMIA Tavern. Why am I a tavern? Why are you a tavern? I have no idea. I didn't even realize when I created that acronym, I had no idea that's what it was until a fan pointed it out. So nice. and it kind of works. <laughs> it is good stuff. Well, thanks for, uh, for calling in Joe. Uh, and, uh, I hope you guys find that, that, that wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, make it all out alive. Uh, but yep. yeah, everybody go check out, uh, uh, you being a tavern, uh, wherever you can. Well, thank you guys for having me. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Absolutely. Joe. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Uh, I like Mr. Joe. <laughs> He's a good person. He is a good man. Yeah. Yes, he is. I I love uh, when when because I, I didn't start playing until I was an adult either. So like it's kind of uh, uh, awesome to hear the like oh yeah no you can you can jump into Dungeons and Dragons at any point in your life and then become a podcaster. No, I just I love the image of the students just pull, like the teacher kind of raising his head going what are you guys doing? This sounds kind of interesting. Pull them in the game. Yeah, exactly. 
It almost seems like the I'm bringing it back to TV, but it does seem like a uh, uh, the, the the pilot of a show of like you know oh, oh the teacher is like exasperated. <laughs> Fine, I'll be there for whatever, and then like he starts paying attention and gets like you know oh maybe he gets this pulled is into whatever weird experiment they're they're involved with. Yeah, right. Or yeah. in this case, Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Game. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Uh, cool. So uh, we have so much stuff going on here on uh, the Dungeons & Dragons Twitch channel. Uh, For those of you who are listening, uh, we'd love for you to jump in and uh, watch us record these live Mondays, 2 through 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, If Shelly were here, she would uh, tell you not to watch that, but then she would say that her game is out in stores, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Uh, uh, coming out October 6th, and that that means that it's already out when you're listening to this. It has been out for weeks, possibly, when you're listening to this. So it is good stuff. Go check it out. Uh, As well, the uh, Access and Allies Anniversary Edition should be out by the time you're listening to this as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Access and Allies, Mm -hmm. and the Anniversary Edition uh, is is pretty uh, interesting. It's a little bit different than a lot of the other things, but it was uh, out of print for a long time, and I'm just excited that it's back in print and people can get it uh, uh, in, in all of its glory. Big board, three triptychs uh, of the, of the entire world. Uh, good stuff. What's uh, what's going on in Dragon Plus world? Uh, Dragon Plus, depending on when this airs, will be releasing issue sixteen, the end of October. Our storytelling uh, slash monster issue, uh, and the final issue for the year will be releasing uh, about mid December. A uh, bit of our crafting slash. Gift guide issue. Uh, we'll be streaming Dragon Plus every Tuesday, 2 to 3 p.m. for the foreseeable future. So, uh, again, talking more about the content going into each of our issues, as well as how to use that content and running of the game uh, that we all love so much. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, and then, uh, gosh, I'm going to say this for, for you, you folks uh, listening to this, because it will be... Uh, deep in the throes of October when you're listening to this. Uh, but there is a, a fun event happening on November 19th in Brooklyn, uh, Force Gray Live, uh, and we're calling it Force Gray Survive the Tomb. Uh, so it is going to be uh, streamed live here on the Twitch channel, and it'll be kind of like the ending to uh, the Force Gray storyline that's going on right now. Uh, so all of the uh, cast members who you've been enjoying, uh, including uh, Deborah Ann Wall, Joe Manganiello, uh, Utkarsh, Umbudkar, and Dylan Sprouse, Brian Posehn will not be able to join, but we're thinking Ashley Johnson might be able to. Uh, and, of course, uh, Matthew Mercer will be uh, dungeon mastering that whole thing. Again, November 19th, we're thinking around 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern time uh, is when that will go uh, here on the Twitch channel. So... You guys got a little preview here on the Twitch, uh, the Twitches, but we'll, we'll more information will be coming out uh, later on that front. Gosh, anything else that we want to talk about for for podcast land? I so think much. That, there's so much. So, so much. Uh, but uh, as always, you can follow uh, me. I'm at Greg Tito. Where can I follow you, Bart? Uh, Bart underscore Carol. Uh, that's on the Twitters. Uh, we have Wizards underscore DND on uh, our Twitter that has all the information there. And, of course, follow us on our Facebook page uh, to get all the latest information. And DungeonsTheDragons.com, uh, as well as DragonMag.com, uh, our two places online that we always update uh, with news and announcements, as well as uh, the fun Dragon Plus episodes uh, or, or issues that are coming out bi-monthly. So your homework is to watch Predator and Primer. And the uh, next time I guest fill in, I'll ask you all about it. Okay, that makes sense. Pri- Primer? Is that the one with the... the yes. Yeah, that, nice. Okay. Did you see Blade Runner? Not the new Blade Runner. All right. Well, you have homework now. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week with more Dragon Talk coming your way. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.